0: We're talking about kingdom, and when 13 weeks ago, or more when we started, my topic was to teach us the government of God. And my hope is that every time you hear the word kingdom, you translate in your mind, it means the government of God. It means how does God lead? How does God work with the world? This has been one of our slides, just to catch you up, that how does God rule the angels? How does He rule people? And how does He rule nations? He has to have a government. God has to have ways to keep order. God has to have ways to communicate because He's holy. He has to have ways that people can communicate and relate to Him. And the whole Bible is built around this. The Bible is built around the government of God interacting with people. And because He's holy and because He's working toward a specific end, which is the king on a throne governing the whole world from earth, He's moving this way, eternity past to eternity future, and so I'm excited tonight to jump in, lesson 13, and teach you about this. I want to talk to you about communal life, and I pray it challenges you. Uh, It's probably, of all my topics, it's one of my top tier that I like talking about because it, it fits who I am. It fits what moves me and what fills my tank up, and it's a word called community. But community is not something that we come up with. Community was God's idea. To think in terms of community is foreign many times to a human because if you look at a human, uh, even though we may say, No, I love community, but the thing about a human and community is we'll destroy it every time because we're selfish. We're narcissists, we're lustful, we're carnal, and so because of all that, God has to have a way to pull us into community together. Otherwise, we destroy, even in community, we'll destroy each other, gossip about you. Uh, If you want to know how powerful uh, divisions are in community, just take the one thought of the word church and then look at all the churches on every corner because we can't agree on anything except maybe Jesus and God, and sometimes don't even agree on those things. So community, though, is a broad topic. It can get very violently dirty when we talk about what is important. And in this generation of 2023, uh, one of the problems that we have in talking about the communal life and the way God views it is got a whole bunch of young people, quote, deconstructing. They're sick of church. They're tired of religion. They don't like preachers meddling in their business, and so this whole realm of deconstructing is really to move us out of this thing called communal life and into thinking that we can have a relationship with God individually. No, you can't. And that's what I'm going to teach you tonight. I don't, I don't dare say, I want you to believe like me. I'll tell you what I believe. I'll let you work it out yourself with where you want to land your plane. But I'll give you what I believe about the communal life. So that's what I want to teach to you. Here's my thought for tonight. The communal life of God's nation. So, when I say God's nation, that's the Israelites. It's the 12 tribes of Israel. What you're going to find out is that God will start with a man and a woman. And then, as the man and the woman begin to multiply and replenish the earth, you remember the teaching God pulls a man named Abram out, changes his name to Abraham, and says, Out of you, Abraham, is going to come a vast nation. Well, that nation of people, here's what's very interesting that nation of people is going to be divided into 12 tribes. And those 12 tribes are going to be divided into families. And uh, they're going to each have a family. And those families have fathers and mothers in them. And one thing it does teach us about communal life is in every church there will be your tribe. The goal of Believer's Church is, hey, this is my tribe. This is my people. But inside the church many times you'll gravitate toward people that you really click with, that you really feel like, man, we share a common bond on some thinking. And now in the worldly sense, we would say, oh, it's a church filled with clicks. And so if you're not careful, you can think because one person likes hanging out with somebody else because they all have this commonality, oh, the church is too clicky. It's not clicky. It's designed to be that way, that the group of us called Believer's Church will also have micro groups within it, Working toward the whole because we have similar personalities or similar things. Like we all like coffee. So we go do coffee together. Uh, there's men in the church that love to deep sea fish. and They're like, we're all going deep sea fishing. I'm like, oh, I hate deep sea fishing. But, but I'm glad they go. So in that, we have ways that we connect. And this is how God designed it. But the reason God establishes this communal life, and if you read the Old Testament and you're familiar with it, In the Old Testament, it will play itself out with the tribe of, and then it gives you the name, the tribe of Judah, the tribe of Benjamin, and that God breaks down the community of several million people. By the time we get into the wilderness wanderings in the book of Numbers, several million people are in the wilderness wandering around, but they're not wandering around aimlessly. That's what Cain was doing. Uh, They're in the wilderness, but they're very methodical in their movement, and yet God takes them and breaks them down into 12 micro-units and then teaches them in these 12 micro-units that make up the whole, uh, which is a very interesting thought, that they move even though they're individualistic in micro-units of a tribe, they move as a whole. And we're going to teach that tonight, but we're going to bring it all the way through to you and I and what does it mean for us today. But let's read it again. The communal life of God's nation is that God wants to give a visible display of what His government looks like. In other words, we should be able to come into Believer's Church, watch us hang out together, and by watching us hang out together, we should have some kind of visible evidence of the government of God at work. The problem is, is when our own selves, our own flesh, our own opinions govern us, then what happens is we come into church and we see the government of men rather than the government of God. And it gets very confusing. What is God going after? So I want to give you three ways that the communal life plays itself out. Now, we'll come back to this slide. And on your worksheet, it's just one section. So every time you see communal life, just go back up to the section that says communal life because there's going to be a lot of blanks along the way to fill in. But I didn't want to just keep adding to your worksheet. So if you see communal life, hop back up to this section. Here's the first time we realize community. The first moment that community is realized is in marriage with Adam and Eve. You would wonder if God made Adam and Adam had everything there was to have. He had the fullness of God. He was in the image of God. He was in the garden of God. He was the perfect creation in the perfect location, serving a holy God. Why would he need anybody else? Why could not Adam just chill out with God and the animals and say, hey, I'm great by myself. I'm at peace. I have a cat. I have a dog. This is wonderful. I don't have to argue with anybody. I don't have to ask anybody's opinion. I don't have to have somebody tell me to pick up my fig leaves after work. I can just stay out as long. I can stay out as long as I want. I don't have to justify my feelings. I don't have to try to understand feelings. I don't have to try to say or hear you're not listening to me. Why don't you pay attention to me? Where have you been? I haven't seen you all day. Why do you keep hanging out with the orangutans instead of me? <laughs> he had it made. Why? Why? Why would God throw in the mix somebody that's going to tweak his emotions? Somebody that's going to irritate him, and he's going to irritate her, and they're going to rub each other raw, and they're going to have a potential to disobey together or to obey together, to wound each other, to hurt each other, to destroy each other. All of that is potential, and we know it's potential because as we parse through the Old Testament, we do end up doing that. We kill each other. We murder each other. We divorce each other. We hate each other. We slander each other. We gossip each other. Why would God start this thing out this way? It's such a risk. It's because the nature of God's government can only be known through communal life. You can't know the nature of God's government by yourself. You have to have someone else in the mix with you. And I'm not talking about marriage. I'm talking about communal. I'll teach why in a minute. So he establishes marriage. He gives the man a woman. He makes a male and a female. He links them up together and off they go. Because they were supposed to do what? They were supposed to build community. They were to multiply. They were to replenish the earth. In other words, out of this would, would come a vast array of community. Now because it's so powerful... And community, two people, and we know it if you've been a Christian, if even two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, the Father God will do it for you. Be it known, it only takes two people, and two people in agreement can accomplish anything. Now, this was a kingdom principle of God. If any two of you, it's so powerful that Jesus himself would not send his disciples out by themselves. He sent them out two by two. Because the government of God and the authority of God and the power of God was not just you in your prayer closet by yourself. It was you and another human being coming together. And that coming together would, this is my opinion, would release an authority and a power that was greater than anything you could do alone. And so God does it. Well, what happens? You know the story. As soon as he does it, one chapter later, you know, I don't know how long that is. My Genesis teaching, I tried to define that length of time. But whatever it was, it was enough to tick Lucifer off. I cannot have this. Because God used big words like dominion, authority, multiplication. So in other words, the moment God, anytime God is talking community, he's not thinking bitterness, anger, hurt, disappointment, gossip. God is thinking authority and power. And the devil hates it. The devil does not want you or me in community with each other. He wants you hurt. He wants you home. He wants you burned out. He wants you sick of it. He wants you tired of it. He wants you blaming. He wants you to blame preachers. He wants you to blame people. He needs you out of this system because when you're in this system, power starts working. Come on. One can put a 1,000. Two can put 10,000. Dear Lord, let's start doing the exponential mathematics on that thing of what happens when we pray together and when we bind things together and we loose things together, so God established marriage. The next thing he did, as marriages begin to do what God wants them to do, they create millions of people. And out of the millions of people, as I said, he pulled out one named Abraham, and out of Abraham came a whole tribe of a nation called the Israelites, and God broke those down into 12 tribes, and he began to order communal life this way. So that you had marriage, which was a husband and a wife, but another level of marriage was this thing called tribes. And in the tribes, you had families. You had husbands, wives, kids, aunts and uncles. You you had everything. And and God orders it in these tribes. And then the final one, it comes in the New Testament. And the New Testament is it's the communal life of the church. In other words, by the time we get to the New Testament, God's not changed his mind. What, What God wanted here... He still wanted here. And what the devil came to destroy here, it, this is just a history of the Bible, what he came to destroy here by getting Adam and Eve against one another, by the time we get to the tribes, he, he tells Balaam in the book of Numbers, I don't remember what chapter, It's like 16, 18, somewhere in there, he tells Balaam, uh, you know, I want you to curse these people. I, I need them intermarrying. I need to mess them up. I don't need them to be separate holy people. And then by the time you come to the church, we here's the funny thing. We are to literally be ruling and governing the world when the righteous rule of city rejoices. Well, look around you. How many churches are just in the Atlanta area? Then you would think Atlanta would just be oozing with righteousness. Right? If, if the righteous... Rule a city rejoices. And you just go look at, well, I'm about to say yellow pages. I'd show you how dated I am, dear Lord. <laughs> I'd literally say, go look in the yellow pages. And people are like, what's that? <laughs> go Google churches. And look how many churches are around. Well, if there's that many churches, why wouldn't righteousness just be flowing like a river? Like you would come into the Atlanta proper and just, ooh, goosebumps for the Spirit of God. It's because though we are the church, we don't understand the power of community and what God is going for. And so therefore, there's no, this is my thinking, when you don't understand the power of his community and how God sees it, you have no authority. You might have religion, but you don't have authority. It's why they could go and say, we adjure you by the name of Jesus to come out and go, I don't even know who you are. I know Paul. I know Jesus. I don't know who you are because you you were not part of the community. So you tried to cast out a devil in the name of Paul and Jesus, but you weren't part of the community. And the demon says, I don't even know who you are, bro. And they beat him up. (laughs) So if, if I'm adjuring someone by the name of Jesus or Paul, and they say, well, who are you? And I adjure them, but nothing happens even though I'm quoting the name. That would tell me that there's great power that the name of Jesus is realized through community. You have to be under the authority of the church of the way it works. So let's talk this out. And what I would love to do is teach you the power of these and why communal life is so potent. Here's my question and I'll answer it by the end. So we will hit the answer at the end. What can communal life teach me? That was my thinking this week. What could it teach me about God's government? I mean, I, I think I got a handle on marriage. I'm 34 years in almost. I don't necessarily have a good handle on tribes of Israel, but I got a good handle on tribes of us rednecks and Georgia people and Alabama people. I grew up in the South. We got tribes. We, we have motorcycle groups and hunting groups and coffee groups and that I, so I understand tribes, that we get tattoos of our tribes, we, we, we have football jerseys of our tribes, so I do understand tribes is a powerful thing. Just watch people pay $800 to put their tribal jersey on to go scream for four hours while people play on a field with a little ball, and we're screaming bloody murder, and they say, I'm a Falcon, I'm a Georgia fan, I'm a Roll Tide, and whatever it is, <laughs> fist in the air, this is us, I'm tatted up, I'm painted up, I'm, because that's the power of tribal community. We, we, will, we, we will literally, what, go sit in a parking lot and grill hamburgers 40 days before the game. <laughs> that's the power of tribal community. So whether I pull tribal community into the church or not, let's just agree, it is a powerful thing. It, it, it gives you goosebumps. You, you go to a concert where everybody at the concert is a tribal fan of who's ever singing, and the moment they open the song, man, your hair just stands up and you're like, whoo, that was incredible. Because even outside of God's kingdom government, tribal community still has power. Uh, just recently, I was on the cruise when I got the news on the news, Antifa, marching through the streets peacefully, burning things down. <laughs> tribal community. And when I found out, I think I read a report. They arrested seven people. They weren't even from Georgia. That's the power of tribal community. I don't even live here. I'm going to go burn things down. Because I pulled myself into a tribe. Because here's what we know about tribes. It gives me a sense of belonging a sense of purpose and a sense of power bigger than myself. And that's a deadly thing if it's used the wrong way because it was originally designed by God. All right, so let's pull it out and look at them. So let's look at the first one. We're going to take marriage. So God, you know the story. He made a woman from the real be taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is Genesis 2, 22, 23, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of a man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother. And we're going to look at these two words. Uh, The word in the yellow, united. and The word in the green, one flesh. They shall be united in one flesh. So the moment God establishes the way he thinks about community and he gives a man and a woman, he brings them into two words that will begin to define what kingdom government is, and it hurts and it stings, and I don't always like it, but it is the word united into one flesh. And it's weird. I know we preach it. I know we talk about it. I know we quote verses it's literally ludicrous and doesn't make sense. I'll tell you what I mean by that in a moment. Here's the thinking. The word united means the Bach. It means, the Hebrew is D-A-B-A-Q. And here's what it means. It means to cling to. It means to joy together or stay with. So when it says the man is going to be united, it means that the man and the woman are going to cling to one another. They're going to stay together. The way it intimates itself is they're going to stay together forever. If you really think about Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve were created when, without dying. They weren't created and then going to die. They only would die after the sin. So the moment God, here's what's weird. The moment God put two human beings together, communal life is so powerful under his rule that he intimated by that that these two individual people could live together for eternity without killing each other. Eternity. 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 Look at the person next to you that you're married to. (laughs) Eternity. You're stuck with them forever. You don't get plan B, plan C, and they're not going to die. They're with you. That's the way God did this thing. We think I'm eight years in, I'm doing good. Eternal. What if Adam didn't even think she was good looking? Didn't matter. Eternal. Eternal. I wish he had broader shoulders. Who cares? I didn't ask you. You're with him forever. His teeth are crooked. So what? I put you with him. So when God unites a man and a woman together in his thinking, in his kingdom government, it was to be eternal. Now once they sinned, it was only released when you die. It was such a powerful togetherness, the only legit way out was to die. Upon death, whatever living partner was still alive would be released. This is why when Jesus comes on the scene, they're really nitpicking this thing. Because they're saying things like, now wait a minute, can't we get divorced? Why would they even ask that question? Because they know in a sinful state... A man and a woman cannot possibly stay together forever. We're gonna kill each other. We disagree, we argue, we fight about money, we fight about sex, we fight about communication, we fight about the children, we fight about Christian school and private school and public school and in laws and outlaws. So, God, who says you're God, can we divorce? What if she cheats on me? See, we're always looking for ways out. Because to think I've got to stay with this jerk forever is daunting. So the question begins to come what is the kingdom government of God doing when it says we're going to have to stay together forever? Now, when we do it at an altar, we say, till death do us part, but you all know we're lying. That's just the religious thing we say, till death do us part. Because the reality is 67% of all first-time marriages end in divorce. That means nearly 7 out of 10 people, when they say to death do us part, don't mean it. They mean until I get tired of you or you irritate me or you get on my nerves, peace out, or until I find somebody cuter. And because we're in a nation that permits it, you understand there's not much power anymore in being together. And understanding I'm not just with you because I like you and you like me, but together we're powerful. Oh, my God, if we can come together. Now, this is so so powerful that the writing of the New Testament, I believe it's Peter's writing, he will say, if you have something against your wife, you need to go make it right with her and then come back and talk to me, otherwise your prayers are hindered. What? What? You, you mean if me and Robin are at odds with each other, it's going to hurt my prayer life? Yes. That's how powerful communal life is. I wonder how many husbands and wives are going, God's just not answering my prayer. Maybe it's not God, maybe it's you too. Because when you really, that's what I said a minute when I started, it's going to sting a mite. I'm not mad at anybody. I mean, I'm judging myself as I'm going through it. But I, I want to leave you in the next 30 minutes, I want to leave you with a holy, reverent fear of community and what it means to be together. Not only as a group of believers, but as a husband and wife, not only as a husband and wife, as friends The power of friendship, what it can do when you keep each other accountable to things of the kingdom. Uh, And we could take this not just outside of marriage. We could take this united into the way God sees community. What about holding his hands up in battle, Moses' arms up? And every time the two would hold his arms and he would just be tired, they would win the battle. But every time his hands dropped, they would start losing the battle. And what God is teaching us is that there is great power, such power that the devil hates it. And he's going to do everything he can to destroy it. Here's the next thing. One flesh. It's two words together, Ihad basar. I, I, I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I'm giving it to you the best I got. E-H-A-D is one. And then the Hebrew word basar, B-A-S-A-R. It... it nothing deep about it, but it just means one in number and of the same body. It means one in number and then of the same body. Now, this is where it gets weird because it's going to totally, when we talk about government in community, the government of God within community, this is where it's about to get really weird, strangely Uh, mind-numbing to understand it. I know, uh, like I said, we quote the Scripture. Here's the thinking. Marriage is two people united into one flesh. So the way we would do it mathematically is marriage is one, a man, plus one, a woman, equals what? One. No, it would have to be two. That's terrible math you would flunk that if you put it on a piece of paper. If you put this on a piece of paper, you flunk. And what God is teaching us is because his government doesn't do life the way we do life. One plus one doesn't equal two. One plus one equals one. And what God is doing in marriage And the communal life of a man and a woman is he's teaching me something about kingdom government. It's kingdom government is upside down to human government. How could two, one and one, a man in blue, with a woman in pink equal just one person? No, they're two. They stay two their whole life. They fight. They bicker, they argue, they disagree, they cuddle, they share stories, and we would go, yes, we're too. His side of the bed, her, her side of the bed, she twitches all night. We need a king size. We finally got a king size bed. I like loud, she likes quiet. I like guitar, word feud, Andy Griffith, and banjo, all at the same time, she likes a book. Two people, two people completely But when God looks at Mark and God looks at Robin, He does not see Mark. He does not see Robin. He sees one body of a family that is to operate together. And if she and I ever come together in agreement on anything, you can guarantee that every devil of hell will tremble and shudder when this man and woman come into agreement with each other under the banner of God Almighty. What happens is demons begin to tremble and our family begins to come under order. You want to ruin the children. Just get mom and dad to start living like two individual people who can't agree on anything. And it will not only destroy the marriage, it will destroy the children. I don't mean to preach that. It's not like i got real preachy. But, but I want you to understand as we talk about the kingdom government of God, it is backward to the way the world raises us. And we are being raised by the world. Every television, every newscast, every social media, the world is raising your children. And it is a sad way, but the world raises your children now. And so the first thing we understand about God's kingdom government is one plus one equals one. And we could stay there forever. We won't belabor the point. Let's talk about the tribes now. Numbers chapter 2 is where you'll find this. I'm going to run through it rather quickly. But it's very interesting because out of Adam and Eve, which was one, come many families and millions of people and a nation called Israel, and we find ourselves in Numbers 2. And in Numbers 2, God begins to organize the the camp. Here's what I want you to think about this. God, this is Mark's opinion, but I feel like it's right. God does not do chaos well. He he does not like disorder. I know sometimes Pentecost can be perceived as the more disorderly, the more Holy Ghost. But you better have somebody in the room mature enough to go, that ain't the Holy Ghost. That's disorder. It's why on the day of Pentecost, if you remember Acts 2, they're all speaking in tongues, but Peter was still standing up going, let me just explain to you all what's happening. This is that. So even God on the day of Pentecost left somebody with enough common sense to speak the language to explain what was going on. Why? Because even in community, he's always a God of order, never a God of chaos, because in chaos and disorder comes every evil work. So if we want to take all this motley crew of people wandering around in the desert for 40 years, well, all you got to do is get them in chaos, and if they can get in chaos, demons will work. And we know that's true. Because every time they would get out of order, just diseases and snakes and boils and killing each other off. And, but God in Numbers says, well, let's just have some order. So here comes his order. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, verse 2 of Numbers 2, the Israelites are to camp around the tent of meeting. We've talked about that. Some distance from it, each of them under their standard and holding the banners of their family. So now we see that God is bringing us to something, even though there's millions of them. He's he's dumping it it into a very systematic order of family. And then he tells them where. This group is going to camp on the east. So God camps a group on the east. Now here's the total number of troops on the east. So all the number of troops that were on Judah's side, that's the east of the camp, is 186,400 these three tribes are set to lead the way whenever the Israelites, and then I want you to just keep your eyes on the blue, the blue word that says travel, because I want you to understand something. According to God's community, you don't just hightail it when you feel like it. You don't tuck tail and run when you get your feelings hurt. You don't move until I tell you to move. Now, this is the way he established it. I know now we got churches on every corner. I'm moving, right? And we wonder why there's such chaos in the church today. But in God's communal life, God, this is, again, an opinion, but I love my opinion here. <laughs> I just like to throw it to an opinion just so you know that I do try to think I can be wrong. I, I do want you to know that I believe God's intent is not for you to wake up and try to determine what church fits you best and then you go there. God wants you to wake up and go, where do you want me to camp? Because if God tells you where to camp, your life is going to explode with blessing. And if he tells you to camp, you better know in the camping, you're going to get your feelings hurt. You're going to have somebody do you wrong. Somebody's going to forget about you. And God's like, don't move. Don't you, get, don't you go somewhere else yet. I'm not done here. There's stuff in the, before you start traveling, trying to be happy, I need you to camp because it's in the camping where you understand my government. It's in the camping where you understand authority. It's in the camping where you understand power and anointing. But when you're just out here traveling, looking for a new camp, zero power and anointing. All right so here's what we get we get marriage is one plus one equals one well the tribes is one hundred eighty six thousand four hundred plus something let's see what the something is well, here comes another set of tribes these are the tribes from numbers 2 verse 10 and 11 on the south side of town oh, it's a pretty rough bunch of people here <laughs> they're on the south side of town I don't know if you've ever met those people So we've dealt with the east side of town. Now we're at the south side. Be careful for the south side. There's a motley group of people here. And it said, and they, here it is again, they count beneath their family banners. So God's good with that. God doesn't mind you being part of a whole and having banners. Hey, we all love to pray in the Holy Ghost. Good, praying in the Holy Ghost. People, wave your banner and y'all hang out together. Well, I just love drinking coffee, reading Bibles. Good, Bible reading coffee, people, wave your banners. Y'all go do that. God's okay with that, all right? Here he says, but the total of all the troops on the south side, a little more. So maybe these were kind of bad people and God had to deal with them, so he pushed them to the south, 151,450 people. So now the kingdom government of God, we've got the east side, the south side, we've got 186,400 is in the east camp, plus 151,450 in the south camp. Let's read on. There's a lot of them. This is in Numbers 2, verse 18 and 19. And the divisions of Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benjamin are to camp on the west side of town. So if we're looking in Atlanta, this is us. We're on the west side of Atlanta. This is all the Douglasville people. We're all hanging out together. And they, too, the total of all their troops, same thing, just so you see it. I wish I would have highlighted it, but I did not. Uh, They're all under their family banners. So all you tattoo people like hanging out together, hang out together. God's okay with that. You like going putt and Go putt-putt. God's okay with that. Because he's okay having family banners in a larger group. But the devil wants you to think, oh, that's clickish." It's not clickish. it's normal. Do you literally think that all of us in this room are going to all like the same thing? I like dark, black coffee that will curl your nose hair bitter with nothing in it. Ice cold. And Marlene's like, yes, he does. <laughs> and I've had people try my coffee. They're like, you got to be kidding me. That is God awful. <laughs> and it tastes like this. Sophia's like, it tastes like dirt. <laughs> oh, but I love it. I just makes my skin and my mother's the same way, except she likes it hot. So it's okay. So coffee people hang out together. So don't ever let the devil make you think that the five people you love hanging out with is a clique. That's normal. You you, you love the same things, but we just got to remember the same things we love never need to let us travel alone outside thinking we're the ones that matter. We're part of a bigger whole, All right? This is what he said. In this west side, there's 108,100 of them, so let's add it up. We've got 186,000 plus 151,450 plus 108,001. We'll add all that up. It'll be a lot. One more scripture. We've got to hit the north north people. These are the people in up Duluth and Dunwoody. The rich side of town. (laughs) Buckhead. The divisions of Dan, Numbers chapter 2. Uh-oh, sorry. The divisions of Dan... Asher and Naphtali are to camp on the north side of the tabernacle. Again, same thing. I won't belabor the point. Under their family banners, and the total of all the troops that are there, one hundred fifty-seven thousand six hundred. Again, in the blue, the word travel. God counted all of them. God told them where to camp, and God let them know we travel. We travel together. There's great power in togetherness. It's why you know, can I skip church? Sure, you can. You'll still make heaven. But there's great power when you come together. When you get in a room full of people and faith is filled in the room, you can walk in half dying with zero faith and hit the anointing in the room and your whole life can change. Yes. It's not even your faith, it's just the faith that's generated in the room. Yes. You walk in, and as soon as you hit, it's like, whoa, glory to God. Man, my skin, it wasn't even, you weren't even thinking about God, but you walked into a bigger community that was stirred with faith. So just know this, you can sleep in, it's okay, love you. But there's something powerful about getting your hind end out of bed and showing up at a gathering of believers and worshiping the Lord God Almighty, singing in unison to His holiness, and faith fills the room. Strange things happen in environments like that. Healings begin to happen. Deliverances begin to happen. Faith begins to stir on the inside of you. And I do know this. I've been coming my whole life. You will never regret hanging out with God's people when they're on fire for the Lord. You will walk out the door every time and go, whoo, I'm glad I went. Now, I will tell you, I preach, right? I'm here most Sundays. I've laid in bed some Sundays. I just don't want to go. <sighs> Tired. But dear Lord, every time I come, you come. come by the time I'm done, I'm like, woo! I'm glad I went. I fire my own self up. I'm like, man, that was good. I'd go to my own church. That was so good. Right? There's just something about, something about talking to David in Ireland, something about Carmelo giving me a bear hug, when I love you, pastor. I'm like, oh, thank you, Carmelo. Just to be loved by each other, to be told you're cared for, to, to have somebody go, how was your week? It, it just makes your fate feel better. Amen. So never discount coming together. It might be a boring sermon. Who cares? We got the power of God in the room, Amen. right? So now let's add them up. So we got number one communal life. We've got marriage, kingdom governments. One plus one is one. The tribes are 146,400 plus 151,450 plus 108,100 plus 157,600. And I put them in tribal life for you so you can fill them in. This is how God ordered the tribal life. God ordered the east camp at 186,400. So notice something as you write and fill in the blank. God's counting who shows up. (laughs) I got three amens and that's good. I'm going to say that one more time. God's counting who shows up. Oh, he knows who comes to his house. I'm not counting. Nobody's swiping a card when they come through the brown door. But the moment you walk through the brown door, God's like, oh, he's here today. He just walked in the door. God knows when you come. So don't think he's just going, well, I think I'm just going to let him lay in bed and bless him. He can. He's God. But you better know he's counting the people who show up. 186,399. No, 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 no. 400. God is counting on every warrior to show up. Now, if you're lazy and not a warrior, sleep in. But if you're a warrior for the kingdom of God, show up because they're counting you. They're counting on you. And you may think, 186,400, well, I can just stay home. No, 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 God's expecting 400, not 399. Get out of bed, you're a warrior. Get your standard and show up on the battlefield. I've counted the number. And yet today, Christianity is so sloppy. It's so ethereal feeling, subjective, if I feel like it, I'm not tired. Come on. You're being counted in the army of God. This is not some spa. Do you think the kingdom of God is a spa? It's an army. It says all through the Bible, he's the Lord of the armies of heaven. We got to think that way. I know it doesn't feel romantic, but It's true. All right, number two, the west camp is the 108, and the north camp is 157.6, and the south. Now, as you look at this east, west, north, south camp, these four things and the numbers beside them, here's what I want you to burn in. This thought of God's kingdom government is he's very detailed to count who belongs to him. Very detailed. Now, I don't know where I fall here, but I am going to throw it for you to think about. Is God obligated to do something for me if I don't show up on the battlefield? Now, I can go grace and go, he's a God of grace, stay home, do whatever. But I will say this, and I think my mother and dad, both church, I'm sure David and Shekinah, those of you that have been in church a while, I, I would think you could probably touch times that you showed up and when you did, something supernatural happened. My mother had a neck issue that she got, a whiplash, and it bothered her for years and years, and we were in Florida at a meeting, and her neck was hurting, and she decided and told my dad, she said, I think I'm just going to skip tonight. And then she was dishonest, she says, because I don't really like the man that's teaching. (laughs) Don't you love an honest woman? I'd just soon stay in a hotel and watch TV than hear him preach. Dad, as kind as he is, says, well, June, that's fine. If you want to stay home, I think I remember the story going this way. He said, but you never know, God might have something for you. So she cops an attitude and say, well, I'll go. <laughs> Thank God for a godly man. So she got herself ready. I was there at the thing. She got herself ready. She sat on the front row and kind of, I'm sure, lackluster. I'm here because my husband and I'm here, so we submitted to him. Don't even like that guy. You didn't, did you? Didn't like him at all. (laughs) But the power of community is powerful. Because in the middle of a whining woman who showed up because her husband said, I think you might want to go, doesn't even like the guy, the man walked over during a moment of worship and touched her on the shoulder and God immediately healed her. And every bit of pain that had been there for years in that neck instantly went away because of a man she didn't like, but she was in community where the anointing of God would work. Yes. Go figure. And I just know, I, I, I just know, I just know God's like, <laughs> oh, I showed June all right, man. I, June thought she had one on me. I just know he loved it. I just know he was giddy about this. He used a man she didn't even like to prove there's power in community. So this 112, 150, all these camps, it equals 603,550 people. Those are the fighting people. So those are typically... Fellas, 20 and older that could go to war. So God's counting the warriors. Now here's what's interesting. is where it gets really strange again. In Numbers chapter 9, it says this in verse 16. This was the regular pattern. Now we're talking about how they all travel. So there's 603,550 of them, warriors, but they all got to travel together. They can't just run off and go to battle without each other, and this is going to give us the pattern. This was the regular pattern. At night, the cloud covered the tabernacle and had appearance of fire. Whenever the cloud lifted from over the sacred tent, the people of Israel, that's all of them, north, south, east, and west camps, they would break camp, and what would they follow? They'd follow the cloud. They're not following their emotions. They're not following opportunity, they're not following hurt, they're not following personality, and they're not following their little family banners. They're following the cloud. So the one thing bigger than everybody in this room, bigger than our personalities, bigger than our coffee loves, bigger than our motorcycle clubs, the thing that's bigger is the power and the anointing and the Spirit of God. And I don't do anything until the Spirit of God tells me to do it. That's what God is going to teach us about his government. And whenever the clouds settled, then the people of Israel would settle and set back up camp. But when they set up camp, it wasn't like, hey, I met Jenny over there. I think I'm going to move. No, you don't move. You're on the east side. You stay on the east side. Because that's where I put you. For, I believe, for a reason. Now, in this way, Numbers 9, verse 18, in this way, they traveled. So again, I, I want to really bring home that God's kingdom government is He doesn't want you traveling out of hurt and opportunity and feelings. He wants you traveling by His will. And they traveled and they camped at the Lord's command. I'll give you one quick story from years ago. My mom and dad were in a church. I was too young to remember, but this is their testimony, so I'm going to borrow it and give it, may help somebody. Um, there was a group of people in the church where my mom and dad went. And they didn't like something the pastor was doing. So they started telling my mother, well, come on, June, we're going to leave. And we're going to go to another church because Brother Arnold here, we don't like what he's teaching and what for whatever reason. So they're pulling on mothers. So mother's like, good, I'm going to go with them because I'm part of their tribe. They're, they're our friends. They're, we travel under the same banner. We like the same things. And so she goes to Jean as any Nice woman was to inform him of her intent to leave. And she says, Gene, I feel like we just need to leave and go with so and so to this church over here because Brother Arnold and so, and I love what Dad said in a very nice way, June, you can go, but I'm not leaving because the Lord has not told me to leave. And Mother stayed with him, and I stayed, and my brother stayed. And they're 86 years old today, and Brother Arnold is 87 years old today, and Brother Arnold is still their pastor to this day. Because when she wanted to travel, I can't travel because I can only travel at the Lord's command. What would happen if Christians just simply said, wherever God's planted me, this is bad English, I ain't going nowhere. I'm going to borrow Jennifer. Been here 20, nearly 30 years. Many times you could have traveled. Many times you could have left. Many times you probably could have thought, I got a hundred reasons why I could go to another church. But she sat here for over 30 years. I'm going to ask you one question you can say yes or no. Because of that, have you seen the power of God in your life? Amen, a hundred thousand million times. Because there's power when you camp. And there's power when you travel at the Lord's command. So here it is. The tribes all together, 86,151 108. Here's what does it equal. It doesn't equal 603,550 at all. It equals one. My math is all of those tribes equals 6,350 fighting men. God's like, no, it equals one camp. And if you put them all together, north, south, east, and west by their numbers, this is what the camp would look like. What does that look like to you? If you put the fighting men in order and you lined them up in order and you put them at the east, the, the south, the north, and you stuck them all in and you lined them up and you just surrounded them around the temple... That means that every devil of hell that looked down upon God's people is going to see this form that's going to take shape of a cross because the way God numbered them wasn't a motley way. It was so that in the eternal realm, even the way God ordered the troops would be, this is the banner we all walk under. This is why you can't cut, camp, and go. When you go, you go together. When you leave, Judah leaves first, and everybody follows behind him because what we're showing, if you're listening to it, it, we're showing the shape of a cross. And yet they had no clue what a cross was or what it would signify anyway. So when God looks at this three-something million people and goes, what a crazy people, God's like, no, it's not. It's a redemptive person that is going to bring forth the one God, Jesus Christ, in the flesh. So when we talk God's thinking community, marriage, He's thinking Christ. Tribes, He's thinking Christ. Let's go to the church. The church is even more powerful because it's not just a bunch of Hebrews that speak the same language. It's the entire world. Fat people, skinny people, Black, white, rich, poor, yellow, red, whatever color, brown. Different languages, different cultures, different ways we worship. I went to Mexico to do some missions once, and the church started at 7 o'clock. We showed up at a quarter till 7. 7, 7.15, 7.30, quarter to 8, 8, 8.15, 8.30. I'm like, <clears throat> when do we start? Oh! Well, this is Mexican time. We start when they show up. And then I got a little irritated. Like, well, Why didn't you tell me that? Because I could have stayed in the hotel another two hours. In America, if we say 7.15, you show up at 7.12. Right? But every culture worship different. And they all got there, and we all got ready to go. We've been there an hour and a half, pouring sweat. They get there, and they they just start tuning guitars. And then they just start playing. But while they're playing, this guy doesn't know what they're playing. He's just over there just trying to figure it out. This guy's trying to figure it out. I'm on the front row going crazy. Dear Lord, you should have tuned the guitars before you got here. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of that, with my personality of ADD, all of a sudden I hear, some guy tied his donkey up Outside the window of the church, and for two hours, and I'm thinking, My God, who can worship him like this? And I'm the only irritated one in the building. Everybody else is just worshiping God, and I'm like, Somebody needs to kill that donkey. <laughs> Do you understand what I mean when I say the church is a little different than a bunch of tribes that all speak the same language and have the same cultural morals and the same ways of thinking? Now you talk church, we got a million ways we do it. So let's look at a few scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it's an interesting thought. Verse 16, for when we bless the cup at the Lord's table, we're talking about communion now, Aren't we sharing the blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? And though, here it is, in the green, we are many. We all eat from one loaf of bread to show that we are, in the blue, one body. In the green, we are many. But our communion together shows that in the blue, we are one body. Next verse gets even more interesting. Verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up the whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews. This is that There's that cultural thing. Some of us are Gentiles. There's a cultural thing. Some of us are slaves. There's what life has done to some of us. Some of us are free. We grew up privileged. Some of us, but here's the deal. We've all been baptized into one body. So all of your experiences, all of your upbringing, you've been done wrong, you've been hurt, you have different cultures, different preferences, but the moment God's government touches you in Christ, I'm lumping every last one of you into one body. So what I believe is what you see here today at Believers is we are Part of one body globally, but we're a tribe in Douglasville. We represent the whole of the whole, but we are a banner of one tribe here on this corner. And here's all I can say under this banner. I don't want to be in this tribe and when we don't show up. When they blow the horn, I want to stand with them and go, I'm here. I'm reporting for battle. I might be tired. I might have had a rough weekend. I might have got my feelings hurt a few times, but I am on the battlefield. Count me in, God. You can use anything, Lord. You can use me. I don't care. And here's what I know. I've showed up sick. 35 years, I've never missed a Sunday. I've showed up. I've been sick. I've been tired. But every time I walk out the door, I'm healed. I'm strong. It's weird. I can't even define that. I don't even understand it. I just know He's a powerful God. Here's a communal life. Here's what the church is. It's many parts plus many people equals one. The way God views it is Jesus is the head of the church, but the many people in the church, different nations, different people, different upbringings, different likes... That one group of people equals one body. And oh, what power that body possesses. Let's go back to our question from the very beginning. What can communal life teach me about God's kingdom government? Here's my answer. What can communal life teach me about God's kingdom government? Number one, all of us who are believers we designed for community. There's no way around it. I'm not saying you can't argue and debate that you can sit in a prayer closet by yourself and read your Bible and you can learn something. Yes, absolutely true, you can. But you were designed for community. There's a power in community you cannot get by yourself. Number two, we move for community. We do not move because we're hurt. We do not move because we're tired. We move for community. Everything we do is for the whole of the community. So we have to be careful that we move for the community. If you don't understand this, if you want to know the power of community, you can just get one person, just one, and one person can disrupt an entire community because of gossip, bitterness, The Bible, the New Testament says it can eat like a cancer. So we should move for community, not for feelings. Number three, we should submit for community. In other words, I mean that not like we all go drink Kool-Aid in the jungle. But we submit for community because the community is more powerful than the individuality, which is number four. Individuality is always for community. In other words, the greater good of the whole is greater than me. And that's a hard place to get. Because many times we come to church, and even though we're here for God, we can be here for selfish reasons. But I have to come to a place that I've been designed for community, I move for community, I need to submit for the community, and I need to realize community supersedes my individuality. If we could all get there, you would see the local church explode. Grow old together on a corner, fighting together. We know each other's weaknesses. We've got your back. We know your lust. We've got your back. We're going to help you stand strong. We're going to help you overcome. We're going to take you from the very beginning of your walk with Jesus, and we're going to help you walk through the lust and the weaknesses and the hurts and the disappointments. Because on this side of the room, we've got mature people that have already earned the scars, they've already fought the battles and they can help mature you to get you in. It's what the body of Christ was all about. However, when I come in the door single-minded, individual-minded, hurt, I don't understand I'm designed for community, I just travel wherever my feelings want, I don't want to submit to anything bigger than myself, if I'm not pleased, I'm leaving, then you can understand individuality begins to govern the church rather than community, and in individuality we have a lack of power. I think Paul will write it this way, you have a form of godliness, but zero power. And my prayer is that we're in a culture today that needs to see the power of God. I'll give you a few scriptures just to show you what I mean to try to back up those four points. John chapter 13, 24, power of community. Jesus says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other. Maybe that's the only way this is going to work, right? I mean, we're all different. We all have feelings. We all are normal people. But love each other. But do it like I've loved you. In other words, the the way he loved me was not by feelings. He loved me by command. If he loved me by feelings, he probably ditched it out. He loved me by command. As a matter of fact, he tried to ditch out. I really don't want to go to the cross for these people. So don't think he was too giddy for all of you. He died because he loved me. No, God sent him because of love. He died because of obedience. I don't think he's sitting there thinking, I just can't wait to die for all these motley, rebellious people. He said, God, if it be possible. I don't even want to hang for these people. But nevertheless, not what I want. And he did it today, and we're here today because of that. So he says, that's the way you got to love each other. You love each other by a commandment. It's how marriages work. Robin and I, many times, our emotions have gotten the best of us. I've slept on a couch before many a time. She's never slept on a couch. <laughs> I don't know how that works. <laughs> I still don't know that one. I don't know. Well, what isn't there just one time you could get on the couch, woman? There's just something about the power of a woman when she looks at you like, "Yeah, I'm going to the couch." I don't know. <laughs> We're not going to divorce. We're we're in love. But but watch, we're not just in love because of feelings. Yes, we do feel it. Yes, we're giddy about each other. We just came off a cruise and had a blast. But we love each other by commandment. All right, that's how you should love each other. Verse 35 of John 13, your love for one another. Watch, this is weird. Your love for one another proves something. It proves that we belong to God. Us loving each other proves something to the world. Those people are different. The sad thing is we have terrible testimony with worldly people. They do a better job loving each other than we do. We don't don't do well. We flunk a lot. 1 John 1, 7. But if we're living in the light, that means you would be born again. As God is in the light, and then this communal word, we have fellowship with each other. But it doesn't stop there. It says, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins, intimating that it's in fellowship you realize the redemptive work of Jesus. I'm not saying you can't have a moment with Jesus alone, but it's in fellowship where I realize cleansing because I'm going to have to forgive somebody as I have been forgiven. I'm going to have to love them as I have been loved. So it's in community with people where I understand the work of Jesus Christ. And this is what it'll say. That John proves it in 1 John chapter 4. He proves that point with these two verses, verse 11 and verse 12 of 1 John 4. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God. What? No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, Watch, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Watch, the unseen God is fully known when people watch how we love each other. The invisible God becomes visible when we're in community. That's powerful. The invisible God becomes visible in community. The world can know Him. Here's the final thought in the kingdom. It's in community where God's reality is fully expressed in individual lives. Again, I believe you can have an individual walk with God. You can get in your prayer closet and do your devotions. It's a great thing. You can learn and grow. But it's in community where the fullness of God is expressed the best in your life. In the graphic that you're seeing, I've got an individual man standing down here with an arrow that's pointing toward the cross. And in the cross, under Jesus, is this big word called community. The New Testament will use the word community over and over and over. We've translated it church, but it's the word community. Uh, It's ecclesia. It's the the word community. We call this church today, but the the Greek word that was chosen was the, the public community, the public gathering. It was an outward display of of God's people. And God has called us into it. He pulls us into it. There's power. Here's the conclusion. In God's kingdom government, community supersedes individuality and submitting to such brings about God's full expression in your life. I'll end with this. I don't keep roll here. There's part of my personality is we should be adults and keep roll ourselves. But I realize we're all at different journeys and we all need encouragement and we all need help and strength of each other. The weak need the strong. The strong need the weak. But as a shepherd of this house, let me simply ask one thing of you. My prayer and belief is that we're living in a generation that is quickly tanking. We're at the very precipice of there's not much more evil that evil can happen. We are now touching the baseline of Genesis chapter 1, male and female. There's an all-out war for male and female today. Don't just think that that's a liberal woke agenda. It's a demonic thing to touch the very first foundation of God's government, male and female. And my belief is there's nowhere else Satan can go. He has touched the final thing he can touch, male and female, before we come to an end. So as you see all this male, female, everything that's out there, the liberal ideology that's going, just know this, that above that is a kingdom that is working. It has gone to the lowest base level of God's kingdom government, which is marriage. It touched marriage years ago, and now it's touched male and female. I see, my opinion, there's nowhere else it can go. This is the precipice of the bottom. And if any time in human history for the kingdom, it's time for the warriors to show up. Yes, your feelings may get hurt. Yes, you may get disappointed. Yes, you may be tired. Yes, you may be burned out. We're human. Get in a tribe of people. Keep yourself accountable. And every time the doors open, show up. And put a smile on your face and lift your banner to God and give Him your best. Because my belief is the kingdom of God's government will rule and the governments of the world will rest upon His shoulders and He is the head of the world and He's the King of glory that is soon to come back and set up a kingdom. Amen? Let me pray for you. Thank you. Father.